Section 4 Short Stories from Locomotive Engineer's Journal, Volume 52 Dr. Bremerton by Eleanor Marsh This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Mason my dear said dr joe bremerton as he threw off his coat and hat tossing his heavy driving gloves into the ladder i'll be hanged if i go out again to-night if i'm called by a multimillionaire oh joe i'm glad you look awfully tired and just think how long it is since we've had a quiet evening together right you are paul i'll get on my velveteen jacket put on my easy shoes sit down before these blazing logs with you beside me and we'll have a real old-fashioned evening like our courting days eh sweetheart he tweaked her ear and gave her a kiss won't it be nice you can sit in the big chair right before the flame while i sit in my little working rocker beside you and darn the stockings oh no don't darn stockings you didn't darn stockings in those days as soon as dinner was over the doctor pulled the big chair up to the fireplace and drew his wife down on his knee she had weighed a hundred pounds when they courted now she weighed one fifty bemerton had had several obstinate cases during the day and was tired it wasn't five minutes before he remarked that he had strained a muscle in his left leg when getting out of his auto slipping on a bit of ice he thought that they'd better sit side by side so mrs bemerton got off his knee and with an effort succeeded in squeezing in beside him if she had gained fifty pounds he had gained more so that instead of the aggregate bulk of two hundred and fifteen pounds between the two arms of the chair as in their courting days there were now three fifty however they managed to wedge themselves in and mrs bemerton leaned back on her husband's arm just as nice as it ever was he said gallantly they sat chatting for a while but the topics they talked about as lovers did not seem to rise up with the spontaneity of former days there were long gaps in the conversation the doctor yawned we don't need to talk all the while she said drowsily remember what a clatter we used to keep up i wonder how we did it did it we didn't do it it did itself there was a lull during which the doctor's eyes closed and he was beginning to draw the heavy breath of slumber when his wife started in anew do you know joe she said that wretched butcher sent in the most abominable steak this morning all bone and gristle yes my dear but my arm is cramped if you'll rise a bit i'll move it he moved the arm and was sinking again to a snooze when the telephone bell rang i'll go said mrs bemerton starting up no you wouldn't understand and the doctor went to the telephone yes i'm dr bemerton reply i'm pretty tired reply is he reply 
Suffering much? Reply. Well, I suppose I'll have to go. Mrs. Bemerton, who was listening, sighed. The doctor came back into the room, the picture of woe. Now, Joe, you said you wouldn't go out again tonight for a millionaire. You were tired out. In another moment, you'd have been asleep. Why didn't you refuse? How could I? If you were suffering and called for a physician to relieve you and he declined to go, what would you think of him? Well, I suppose it can't be helped. Will you ride? No, it's not far. I'll walk. She helped the poor man on with his overcoat. He gave her a parting kiss as he went out and said, If I'm going to be delayed, I'll telephone you, and you're not to sit up, but go to bed like a dear, good little woman, and I'll come in without disturbing you, and sleep in my own room. Ta-ta, sweetheart! Mrs. Bemerton's regret was that her liege lord must go out after a hard day's work into a cold night to incur more responsibility. She was a practical woman and had discovered very soon that the return to courting days would not be a success. As soon as the front door closed behind him, Dr. Bemerton hastened his steps. A few blocks away was his club, and thither he went. Leaving his overcoat at the coat room, he went into the cafe and there found doctors Nichols and Gilson, who hailed his entrance with shouts of satisfaction. What did you mean? exclaimed Bemerton to Nichols with mock severity by telling me that the patient was suffering and I must come at once to relieve him. I mean this, replied Nichols that Gilson is suffering for someone to split a bottle of ginger ale with him. As for me, I'm suffering for something of the same kind. Ha, <laughs> laughed Bemerton. You fellows will be the death of me some day. It doesn't seem as if one of us can have any fun without the other two, or any two without the other one. Dr. Bemerton sat down, and Nichols pushed the button, and when beverages had been ordered, Bemerton said to the waiter, Peter, I wish you to telephone my wife that the case is very serious, and there are three doctors in consultation, and I'll probably be detained till a late hour. Say I haven't even time to do the telephoning. Now be careful, Peter. Don't give it away where the message comes from. Ha <laughs> ha, laughed Nichols. Three doctors in consultation. Good and very good. Consulting as to which is preferable as a dilutant. Ginger ale or fizz water, laughed Gilson. Peter had served twenty years at the club and knew how to send such telephone messages very well. But he was head waiter, and his responsibilities were multifarious. Being especially crowded tonight, he transferred the order to a greenhorn who had worn the club's button but a few days. This was the message sent to the doctor's wife. Dr. Bemerton is here at the club in consultation with two other doctors. He won't be home till late, mum. All right, came the response. Tell the doctor not to hurry and that I think a Welsh rabbit or a stuffed crab will do him good. Then the greenhorn goes to the three doctors in consultation and says to Dr. Bemerton, Doctor, Mrs. Batherman says you're not to hurry and she thinks a stuffed crab or a rabbit will do you good. Bemerton, who was raising his glass to his lips, stopped it on the way. Who phoned her? I did, sir. Peter told me to. He was busy. 
and did you tell her i was at the club sure sure what else would i tell her nichols and gilson leaned back in their levered covered chairs and roared that'll do said bremerton to the waiter who went off puzzled well boys said bremerton i'm in for it and he told the story of how he had started in for a return to courting days accusing them of breaking in upon his and his wife's happiness you must do something mighty nice said gilson to get out of this muddle my wife would never forgive me for a thing like that what can i do asked bremerton give her a sealskin suggested nichols she has one besides that would require time i've got to face her to-night when i go home the only thing you can do said gilson that can be done to-night is to telephone to a flower shop and have it send you a fine bouquet of flowers to take home with you bemerton was not favorably impressed with the plan he said that he had forgotten every anniversary of his wedding day as it came round and the customary gift his wife reminding him of it a month after it had passed to take her flowers now seemed like giving her taffy however at that hour it was the only thing he could do so calling up a flower shop he directed the proprietor to send the handsomest basket of flowers he could make up then he threw off care and with his friends spent a delightful evening marred only by a telephone message from gilson's better half to know if he was at the club and one from a patient of dr nichols asking if the medicine he had ordered had better be taken at eleven o'clock or quarter past eleven but all good times must come to an end and the trio at last separated at the door of the club bemerton's two friends admonished him to do a lot of petting when he got home confessing himself a brute and relying on the floral gift to set matters right bemerton didn't say anything he knew his wife and that she was not one to be coddled when the doctor opened his front door he found the lights turned down and the silence of oblivion excellent perhaps his wife was asleep he would not have to face her till morning taking off his shoes and leaving the flowers in the hall he crept upstairs that you dear came a voice from his wife's bedroom had a good time hope you didn't need anything to upset your stomach only stuffed crab as you suggested you're not angry with me are you dear angry why should i be i was well pleased when i learned you were at the club instead of being with sick people only you might as well have told me where you were going it would have been a relief to me by jove what a sensible woman you are both gilson and nichols said their wives would be furious they suggested that i bring you a ten-dollar basket of flowers to pacify you flowers don't you bring me flowers when billy needs a new overcoat and jenny hasn't a decent dress to her name if you had spent ten dollars for such worthless things i'd have sent them right back to-morrow to the shop you got them from mrs bemerton didn't see her husband or his expression when she said this and it is well she did not i'll just go down and fix the furnace before turning in he called it's going to be a cold night mrs bemerton heard coal shoveled into the furnace but she did not hear a beautiful ten-dollar basket of flowers thrown in at the same time 
the next morning dr bemerton made his first call at the flower shop where he paid for the penitential gift end of section four dr bemerton by eleanor marsh